Hi, my name is Emma on Rec Staff. You're listening to week three of the Falls Creek Podcast. The speaker for week three was Todd Sanders, and we had 4,883 students in attendance. Enjoy! Um, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to John chapter 11. We're going to ju- jump in tonight. John chapter, there's some John fans back there. John chapter 11. Um, it's, a, it's a large passage tonight, so what I want to do is kind of recount some of the story to you, and we'll pick up with the last several verses of the passage. Um, so this passage is dealing with um, this man named Lazarus. Lazarus um, was sick. And um, so Lazarus is, is the brother of Mary and Martha. And we won't really get into a lot of their backstory right now, but uh, uh, Mary and Martha's, uh, are, are his sisters. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. As a matter of fact, when they say he's sick and tell Jesus he's sick, they say the one you love is sick. So he has a close relationship with Lazarus and his family, and so he's very connected to them in some way. And, um, and, and Jesus makes an interesting comment Um, when they tell him Lazarus is sick, he receives that report. He says, this sickness won't end in death. And so he waits to go to Lazarus. Um, And so as we we carry through the story, we know that uh, while he waits, um, Lazarus dies. And Jesus comments that uh, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and it creates a little bit of confusion. And surprise, surprise, the disciples don't understand. All right? Um, as a matter of fact, as we talk about these pictures of Jesus from these metaphors and these statements throughout John, the reason why we have these is the disciples were a little slow on the uptake, right? They didn't quite understand what was going on. Uh, they weren't reading Jesus' cues. They weren't, they weren't really gelling with what he was saying. And so um, he very plainly, I love the way it puts it in Scripture, he said, and so he says to them plainly, all right? let me slow it down for you kind of moment. He says, listen, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Um, and, and then he makes an interesting comment. He says, I'm glad I wasn't there, so you would believe, but let's go to Lazarus. And so um, I want to pick up in verse 17 as Jesus arrives on the scene. He says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And so um, when he receives a report that Lazarus is dead and he decides to wait, Jesus knows what's about to happen, right? He knows Lazarus is going to die. This is not a surprise to him, right? It's not a surprise to him. He knows what's coming. It says, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Mary, uh, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And so the disciples didn't understand. Martha right here, she's really not catching it either. Because like we talked about last night, Jesus reveals as he talked about, um, I am the bread of life. The the disciples and those around, they were going back to uh, physical, earthly, temporal answers, right? And so they're so focused on the fact that Lazarus had lost his life, they were missing the point that Jesus was trying to make. You know, even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And again, Martha answers, she has confidence in this, that yes, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus 
again, very plainly speaks to her and answer a, a response to her confusion or misunderstanding about what he's saying. And here's what he says. He's like, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Listen to her response. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Let's pray, and we'll jump in tonight. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come and open your word. God, we pray that we would just listen uh, attentively to you, intently um, to your word tonight. And God, that when you speak to us, we would respond. God, we pray tonight that you would do what only you can do, and that's draw young men and young women to yourselves, that you would save souls tonight. And God, each and every one of us in this place, God, I pray that you would speak to us very plainly. God, that we would hear what you have to say and that we would respond to you as you're calling us to respond. We give you this time and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So listen, um, I, I think this as we, as we begin, often we're more worried about what God can give us here and now in this moment than we are about how he meets our real need. And that's another example here of, of what I think is going on. Jesus is trying to meet our real need, and we're so focused on the physical, the temporal, the earthly, that we miss the point. Listen, we are dead, and he breathes life into us every day through the resurrection power that he holds. And so he has conquered death, and we're going to look at that tonight. He's conquered death, he has conquered sin, and he wants to breathe life into us. He wants to breathe life into us. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to choose life in Christ and life that is against sin that God, that God has called us from. This is what he's asking of us tonight. So as we look at this need tonight, you know, last night we looked at the first picture, right, uh, in the, this series of metaphors, these pictures that Jesus gives um, to reveal his, his, what, what we have in, in salvation in him and his role in salvation. Um, and we saw this first picture, right, as Jesus meets our need, our need for what? Satisfaction. And so we see that he is the true bread, the true food that lasts. And, and here's the big idea from last night is Jesus satisfies me, Right? Jesus satisfies me. We have a deep longing to be filled, and we try to fit all kinds of things into this God-shaped hole in our lives, but in the end, it's just fluff, right? How many of you have eaten cotton candy before? Anyone? It's the most disappointing candy in the entire world, okay? So, like, the anticipation is so good, and even when you make it, it's like this big event, right, and you got this big bowl of sugar, right? Like, this is, this is my favorite food group. If you can just give me sugar, like, that's, that's like, I'm good with that, but it's just this big bowl of spinning sugar, right? It's like, it's like magic, something they probably created at Hogwarts or something. Like, it's, it's a magical thing, but when you get that big fluffy, you know, mound uh, on that cone, okay, and you bite into that, and there's a moment of sweetness, but then it's gone, right? It's fluff. It disappears. But we will, we will spend all kinds of times running towards these, these things and try to fit those things into this God-shaped hole, and it's just fluff in the end. It can't. It won't sustain. It won't fill us. It won't satisfy us, but Jesus will. Jesus will. And then tonight, we look at the second picture. As a matter of fact, in this string of pictures or metaphor statements, metaphorical statements in the book of John, it's actually the fifth in the line, okay? I told you we weren't going to take these in order, but it's the fifth in the line. 
And it's a very powerful picture. Um, and, and these statements, you know, Jesus makes a claim to his deity, and then he, and he joins it with this very clear metaphor, this simple picture, so we might understand what we have in him and what he provides for us. And so, so listen, we, um, we're, we're talking tonight about life, the need that we have to truly live, to truly live. And the big idea tonight is this, Jesus is my life. Jesus gives me life. And by the end of the service tonight, listen, maybe you too would be able to say that. You'll have an opportunity, uh, a chance tonight to respond to this good news of life in Christ. And I pray that you would listen to the Lord, you would press into him, and you would let him work on your hearts. Listen, some of you I know tonight, um, he has already been working on you, and tonight you're going to respond, give your life to him. Or maybe you already have, and you're going to just come tell someone and make that public. Listen, um, God wants to change your life tonight. He wants to get a hold of you. And I pray that by the end of the, the service, when you have an opportunity to respond, that you would do just that. And so um, in this, we see a recurring theme in the book of John. We talked a little bit about it last night, but we see this theme of life. Over and over and over, John writes about belief, and he writes about life, and we see those. Um, as a matter of fact, in the gospel, there are 36 times, approximately, uh, where John talks about life. Now, that may be earthly life, uh, but mainly we're talking about spiritual life, eternal life. And so this is a big theme here in this passage, as well as in the book of John. And so when we think about life, what does that mean, right? What does that mean? It means uh, vitality, right? Vigor, thriving life, right? We want to thrive. We want to be active in our lives. We want to be animated, right? We don't want our life to be drab and drugged down in an in, in effort. We, we want to have fullness in our lives. I think all of us, if pressed, we would say, yeah, I really, I do want to be satisfied in my life, and I do want to be full. I want to have a full life. We want it to be a genuine life, right? We want it to be uh, this, this absolute sense that God has created us, and this is the life that God has intended. It's not solely physical. It is moral, it's physical, yes, but it's spiritual, it's whole life, devotion to God. But so many times we listen to those things that pull us away from experiencing true life in him. And so the message tonight is not just for those of you um, who have not yet come into faith in Christ and given your life to him and responded by believing. But it's for those of us maybe who do have a relationship with Jesus tonight and we've been trading true life for a substitute. And listen, those things that we seek um, temporary satisfaction in, uh, those things that can't fill us, that we find that satisfaction in that we mentioned last night, we also seek life in. Let me just review that list and see if you agree with me. Um, it's relationships. It's companionship. It's friendship. It's distraction. It's entertainment, success, money, things, experiences, recognition, fame, popularity, influence, service, ministry, ouch. Just checking stuff off the list, putting notches on our belt, gaining experiences religiously or spiritually. It's achievement. It's some earthly, physical, or temporal thing, and it goes on and on and on, right? These are the things that we seek satisfaction in, but they're also the things that we seek life in. And in the end, they can't sustain, they can't satisfy, and they can't provide life. And so as we think about thriving tonight, we want to see Jesus is our life. Jesus is our life. Um, there's some lyrics. I have, a, I have a couple bands that I really like. How many of you like music? Anyone like music? Um, turn to a neighbor, share your favorite band of all times, okay? Don't be shy. 
Share, don't, don't be embarrassed. We're all family. Okay, just share. Now, so we have these favorite bands. Listen, in our household, most often, if you're to walk into our house on a daily basis, you're going to hear Shane and Shane just on continual loop, okay? It's my wife's jam. For me, um, I have several bands that I really like. One of my favorite bands, though, as a matter of fact, I just got on a list today to try to get tickets for the fall uh, for a show, and that's Switchfoot. I love Switchfoot, all right? Um, those guys are great, and they put on a great show, but they have a song that was released a number of years ago called Thrive. I just want to read you some lyrics and see if it doesn't capture maybe some of this hole in our life where we really want to thrive in life and Yet time after time after time, the things we run to don't fill us, and we find ourselves needing a thriving life in Christ, and we're just surviving. God's, I mean, uh, the song says this. I've been awake for an hour or so, checking for a pulse, but I just don't know. Am I a man if I feel like a ghost? The stranger in the mirror is wearing my clothes. No, I'm not all right. I know I'm not all right. A steering wheel doesn't mean you can drive. A warm body doesn't mean I'm alive. No, I'm not all right. I know I'm not all right. I feel like I travel, but I never arrive. I want to thrive, not just survive. And listen, I think deep down, if we were to be really honest, there are days like that. And even though we may pretend to be something else, we may put on a good front, um, and we may put on a good show, that, that deep down we're in need of life. Deep down, we're in need of thriving, but so often we just survive. We just survive. So what does God's word say about him meeting our need? I want to look at a couple of things here. Let's look at verse 25, just a couple of things here in this verse as we walk through it. Um, God, God says in his word, Jesus is saying to Martha, listen, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's the first thing I want us to grab hold of tonight. Christ is life. Jesus is the source of life is the source of life. Not only in a creation sense, right? God created, Christ created, right? He was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. All things come by Him, through Him. They're for Him, for His purposes. Um, this is who He is. He's a creator God. But listen, um, He's a resurrected God. He's a resurrected Lord. And the source of our life, resurrection life and eternal life, is Christ. He says, I am. Again, we see that I am statement, right? He's claiming deity. He's saying, listen, don't be mistaken. I am God. I am the life. I am the resurrection. In him, John 1, 4, was life, and that life was the light of men. In Jesus was life. In that life was the light of men. He is the resurrection and the life. That word resurrection, it means rising, okay? specifically rising from the dead, right? But the word is rising. We're standing up again. It's a return to life. And Jesus has the power to bring life again. Jesus has the power to bring life again. He conquered death. He was the firstborn from among the dead. He has the power to conquer death. He was preeminent. He was the first, the most important, the almighty. He was the resurrection and the life. And so what he's about to do in Lazarus's life is is a, a symbol, a display, a sign of his resurrecting 
power, the life that he can provide. And then he says, um, I am the resurrection and the life. And what he's talking about, what we want to hear tonight is this, that he's talking about life forever, and he's talking about life now. Not just eternal life, but also life here, eternal and abundant life. And so here, um, we need to, to also point out this, that when he calls Lazarus out of the grave, and he's about to resurrect Lazarus, he's calling him back to life, but not eternal life, because Lazarus will die again, right? All of us will die, but he calls uh, this, this resurrection here is to temporary life, okay, back to life, but in reality, Lazarus would die again. But there's a reality of the resurrection of Jesus as he became the once for all sacrifice for our sins. He was buried and he rose again to conquer death and conquer the grave and to give us the opportunity to have eternal life in him. The resurrection of Jesus is the central truth of Christianity. We celebrate it on a holiday. We, uh, it's Easter, right? We celebrate resurrection. This is our holiday as believers. And without the resurrection, there's no Christianity, right? It is the central truth of our faith. It's the central truth of our faith. It's so important when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, he's saying, Mary, I am the one that can give life. I'm the source of life. And this temporary death, physical death, is not what you need to be concerned about, but let me show you the life I can provide for eternity. And so Christ is life. Say that with me. Christ is life. Christ is life. And then let's look at the second thing here he said, uh, uh, um, that we see in God's word is this trust in Christ. Christ is life. Say Christ is life. Trust in Christ. He goes on here to say in verse 25, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Um, he says belief there, and we talked about it um, last night. It's trusting in Christ, right? So this is a, a personal interaction, a personal faith in Jesus that we would place our trust in our faith in him and trust Jesus for life, not just here, but also in the hereafter, now here on earth and forever, okay? And then he says, he who believes in me will live, right? Be among the living, even if he dies. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. And I'm, I bet you most of us in the room have experienced then this in some way. We've been impacted by the death of, of a loved one or a friend, right? A close friend or an acquaintance, someone we know, and we've seen the tragedy of death. We've seen the reality of it. We're no stranger to it. We will all die, but in Christ, listen, there's more to it. We will all die a natural death, but what Jesus is saying here, I'm the resurrection and the life. Um, come to me, believe, and trust, and you will live even though you die. You will have life in me ever after. You will have eternal life in me. There's more. It's not just this first death, this natural death, but what Jesus is saying, um, you, can, you cannot experience the second death, eternal separation from God forever in a very real place called hell. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, Jesus died to wash away our sins. Um, he died to cleanse us by shedding his blood on the cross. Ephesians 1, 7 um, says, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so listen, students, adults, 
vitality, life in Christ as God intended both here and in the hereafter, now and forever, is in Christ because of what God has done for us in Jesus on the cross through his shed blood. Um, there's a World War II ad I saw several years ago. I was in an antique store, and I saw this poster. And it was a, uh, a poster that was advertising blood drives, and it really caught my attention. And I think it applies here um, as we talk about where life comes from. And uh, put it up here on the, on the screen. Uh, blood means life. Blood means life. Now, this is an ad to try to get people during World War II to give blood to the cause, right? For our soldiers, but let's apply it in a spiritual sense. For us tonight, we understand this, that blood, Jesus' blood washing over us, cleansing us because of his gift on the cross, dying for us, and then him being buried and resurrected to new life gives us life. It gives us life. And so Jesus is our life because he, of what he's done for us. So through his death, burial, and resurrection, those who believe in Jesus, that gift of his life, will transition immediately upon our death to be in God's presence forever. But also, when we trust in Christ and we have faith in him, we have an immediate transition um, from death to life here on earth. We are not bound any longer by sin. We are, we are raised and able to walk in new life. I found this prayer online. I want to read this prayer to you. I think it's great. Um, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or in, overindulgent. How many of you know someone like that? Any, anyone of those things? How many of you have been that? Maybe today. Any one of those things? But this person, they haven't been those things. Look what he look, goes on to say this. I'm really glad about that that I haven't been these things. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to have to get out of bed, and from there I'm going to need a lot more help, okay? And so this is, this is like a reality for us, right? That's not true living just, oh, if I could just get out of bed, look, it was great in bed. Uh, but listen, in Christ, we have the ability to walk in new life. He's given us the opportunity to walk in the power of the resurrection, not just to wait on eternity, not to wait till our funeral to experience real life, but we can experience it here, and we can experience it now if we place our faith and trust in Christ. His, his life changes us. We have the resurrection power in us. We have the ability to live according to his life, live according to his life. So Christ is life. Say, Christ is life. Say, trust in Christ. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Even if he dies. So, so let's look um, at, at this life eternal and life abundant really quickly. Apply it, and then we'll kind of wrap up this evening. Our faith in Christ leads to life forever, okay? It leads to life forever. We have peace with God. We've been made right with God. If we place our faith and trust in Jesus, he's brought us back into life. We have freedom from the old life, right? We've taken off the old life and we put on Christ. We have eternal life. And when we put on Christ, um, we also understand this, that faith leads to life for him. It changes us. It affects my every day. Jesus and John 10, we're going to look at John 10 tomorrow, but he says um, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So the enemy has nothing good planned for us. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says, that you might have what? Life. And that you would have it to the full. You would have it abundantly. As I created it, as I intended it to be, that you would have life. That you would have life. 
And so we can walk in this abundance now. And so students, I don't know what you're running to for life or satisfaction, but life in Christ, if you will give your life to him, place your faith and trust in him, and if you will order your life according to him, he says you don't have to walk in the old life. You don't have to run to those things to fill you. I fill you. I satisfy you. I'm your life. I'm your life. Trust in me. Trust in me. And so we walk this practical life in Christ, right? So we can get out of bed. And we don't have to just hope that it won't all fall apart. But we can know if we walk according to his truth, we can live this life. And it affects us. Here's some ways it affects us. If you're taking notes, um, here's some ways that it affects us. First of all, in our commitment, right? When we're, when we're devoted to something, we're committed to it. We're committed to it. We've made a decision to walk in this life. Um, it's our aim, right? It's our motive. It's the thing that drives us. And so if we have life in Christ and we've committed our lives to it, it's going to drive us on a daily basis. And here's what happens when that drives us. Well, it changes our attitudes. It changes our emotions. Not only that, but it pushes into our actions, how we interact with others, what we choose, our associations, right? How we interact with others, but also how we um, represent Christ to others. And so, so this life in Christ is a very practical, everyday faith that we live out, and we can only live that out through the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives, because what does he say? I am the life. I'm the one that helps you live. I'm the one that leads to life, not just hereafter, but also here on earth. He can raise us to walk in newness of life here each and every day. So how many of you have a dog? Anyone have a dog? I was thinking about this, and I thought of dog breath. Did anyone have a dog have, like, nasty dog breath? Yeah, so I have a chihuahua. His name's Chico. You know, we talked about him last night. Um, Chico is old, okay? We've had Chico. We rescued Chico. He's a rescue dog. We rescued him in 2007. He's still kicking, all right? He's still going strong. Dog's amazing. He's the best dog ever, all right? As a friend of mine would say, that's a dog a man can love right there, Chihuahua. So, um, he, but he has the worst breath, right? And he's too old um, where we can't put him under, right? Because that could be worse for him than him just having the bad, nasty teeth and breath, right? So when you interact with Chico, like you got to be committed to it, right? But it changes our behavior, okay? Because there are certain things we don't want Chico to do. It's, I'm committed to Chico. I love Chico, but I also know I'm committed not to smelling his breath. And so I kind of keep a distance at certain times, okay? If he starts to yawn really big, um, there's like an action that follows that. So uh, this reality affects my life. Let me give you a better example. Okay, I have a beard, I have some facial hair. I didn't start growing facial hair until I was 38, all right? And I only started growing facial hair so people would think I was older than I was. Um, so, but and it's still not great. I still have holes in it at different places. But my beard and my face retains smells. So when I come home and I've had, say, barbecue or Mexican food, eating garlic on something, I can walk in the door and, and Angela can go, you ate at Ted's, or you had barbecue, right? And so there's a little time there where, and I can understand why, it's like you don't want to like lean in for a kiss and then get like beef beard, right? I mean, how many of you really, you want, how many of you, you desire that? You know, hey, when I lean in to kiss you, what I want to smell is yesterday's brisket, okay? No. So listen, because 
I have beef beard, okay, this is what I'm calling it, it's a new phrase, you may know someone that you love and you're close to, and you need to help them, it's an intervention, okay, honey, we need to talk about your beef beard, all right, and, and young ladies, listen, as you, as you grow and you become romantically involved, you don't have to accept beef beard, okay, you don't have to, push away from it, okay, you make them change, all right, so, so, but listen, because I love my wife, this may not be a great illustration, but because I love my wife, okay, I'm committed to her, right? And so because I'm committed to her, it changes my motive on a daily basis, and I don't always get it right. Some days I forget, and some days I eat the wrong thing, and I come home, and I got, I got the beef beard, right? Or burrito beard, right? whatever you want to call it. So it changes my motive, and then, and then it changes my action, right, because I begin to choose differently. And even if I'm in certain places, I'll try not to eat the wrong kinds of food so I don't get the stank, right? So it changes my actions, and it changes my associations and my interactions. And so I'm using this as an example to show us how it could play out in our faith, right? That thing that I'm committed to, the thing that I value, I value it enough to make some changes in my life to carry through on that commitment, And so if I value the Lord, if I'm devoted to the Lord, students, adults, listen, then my life should be ordered according to the things of the Lord and not running to the world and not running to fake food, not running to those things that can't fill us, that can't give us life over and over and over. I should push away from those things and run to the one who can give me life and who is my life and who makes this possible. So this is what God's called us to. He's called us to live out the resurrection and the life, to place our belief in him and then order our life around it so we have life abundant and we have life eternal. If we desire to honor God, we will act according to God. We just will. So imagine, just imagine, close your eyes. I want you to imagine, what if you lived your life like this? What if you lived your life like this? How would your life be different? How would tonight be different? How would tomorrow be different? How would a week from next Thursday or three months from next Friday, how would that be different? If you placed your faith and trust in Christ and if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you would say, you know what, Lord, I'm committed to you. I have the resurrection power of life in me because of what you've done for me. So God, help me to order my life according to you. Just imagine And how would our, not just our lives, but how would our friendships and our families and our churches and our communities, how would things be different? How would things be different? There's another uh, metaphor. Um, I mentioned it last night. John 14, 6, Jesus gives us another one of these pictures. And he says, I am the way, the truth. And then he ends that, he says, I am the life. I am the life. Romans 5.26, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And and listen, he is also able to grant life to all who believe in him. John 3.16, for God so loved the what? World, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, listen, pause there, whoever, that's you and that's me and that's all of us, whoever would what? believe in him, they won't perish, but have what? Have everlasting, eternal life. You see, Jesus not only has um, uh, the life in himself, right, um, to raise up from the dead, but he also has life 
or, or the, the ability to grant it to everyone who believes. So, so a question for us. We wrap up with a question. Jesus asked a question here. We started talking about questions last night. Look what he asked Martha. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, all right, will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Look what he says. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And then Jesus goes on to call Lazarus out of the grave. Okay, and then there's a great picture there. The dead man came out. So he calls to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out of the grave. And how does Lazarus respond? He comes out. So tonight, question for us. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the life? Do you believe that he's the satisfaction that you've been longing for, the need um, that needs to be met? Do you believe that Jesus can provide that? Will you be the dead man tonight that comes out, the dead woman that comes from death into life? Will you be that person? Is God calling you from the grave tonight? Is he calling you out of sin? Is he calling you uh, from death to new life? Listen, without Jesus, we are dead, dying, done, lost, gone. But in Christ, we have life. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin, and listen, all of us are born into sin. All of us, because of our sinful nature, because we're man, because of the fall in the garden, because of that man's rebellion, listen, we are all born into sin. We have a sin that marks us. We are separated from a holy God. And the wages of that sin, according to Scripture, the truth of God's Word, is death. Not just the first death, but eternal death, the second death, that we would be separated from God forever because of our sin in a very real place called hell. The wages of sin is death in a beautiful picture right here. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ. So God wants to, to reach across the chasm of our sin, and he wants to place Jesus in front of you and say, listen, will you come to him? Will you believe? And will you place your faith and trust in him? Will you let Jesus call you out of the grave? And as he's calling you tonight, will you respond? God offers us that gift of eternal life in Jesus if we will trust, believe, if we will confess his name, confess our sins, repent of our sin, and turn and follow him. Eternal and abundant life. Eternal and abundant life. Listen, there's an invitation tonight to life. And so here in just a moment, you're going to have a chance to respond. And I'm going to ask Bailey and the band to come out, and I just want to ask you a question. Are you ready tonight? Are you ready? Are you ready to place your faith and trust in Jesus? Are you ready to make him the Lord of your life? Are you ready to trust him? You're here tonight, and students, listen, there are many of you in this room. As a matter of fact, every week, about 20 to 22% of all of the students that are here um, say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, or I'm not sure of where I stand. And so I know in a group this size, there are people that don't know Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, but tonight the Lord is calling you, he's drawing you. Are you ready? Are you ready to place your faith and trust in him? Are you ready to make him the Lord of your life, to trust him, um, to put aside the fake food, um, the empty fixes, um, to rely on him for satisfaction and not run to some other source? Are you ready um, uh, to place uh, your trust in him for life forever and for him? Listen, he'll give you tonight life. He'll give you life if you'll trust. He'll 
Step in your heart out of heaven into your life and he'll change you. He'll give you new and eternal life. If you'll call on him, he'll save you. He'll save you. So I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're not going to belabor this long, but I just want to ask if there's someone in the room tonight that would say, Todd, you know what? I have a relationship with Jesus. I know him. I've come to a place where I've placed my faith and trust in him. Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me tonight. That's me. Just slip it up. I have a relationship with Jesus. Put your hands down. I'm going to ask one more time. If you raised your hand tonight and you know you have a relationship with Jesus, you've stepped from uh, death into life and you've, you've believed on his name and if you trusted him for salvation, if that's you, even if you raised your hand a minute ago, if that's you, just slip your hand up. You say, yeah, Todd, I'm, I'm a believer. I have salvation in Christ. Now you can put your hands down. I'm going to ask one more question. And I want, a, I want a response from those of you in the room who would say, Todd, I don't know Jesus but tonight he's drawing me, pray for me, that I would be bold to respond to him, that I wouldn't just listen, but I would respond, I would move tonight. And then, and then I've come to a place, that's me, I, I want Jesus in my life, I wanna trust him for life, I want to trust him to be my satisfaction, I wanna give my life to him. If that's you tonight, and you say, Todd, the Lord is speaking to me, he's been working on me, I want to respond tonight to the Lord, or God is speaking to me and I don't know him, would you just slip your hand up and say, Todd, that's me tonight. Anywhere around the room, just lift it high, no one's looking around. Thank you very much. Hands? Yeah, just be bold. Just be bold tonight. I want life in Christ. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask one more time. Is there anyone here tonight that would say, Todd, I want life in Christ, and the Lord's speaking to me tonight. Pray for me that I would have the, the boldness to respond. Would anyone slip their hand up just say, that's me. Just one more time. Even if you lifted it a moment ago. Anyone else? Now, in just a minute, you can put your hands down. In, in just a minute, um, when we stand and sing, if you raised your hand, when, when we begin to sing, as soon as we begin to sing, you step out. And you come down here to the front, you walk down, and, and we're going to help walk you through what that looks like and how you can have life in Christ tonight. And I would just encourage you, as soon as that happens, that you would stand up and you would come down. We're going to stand together. I'm going to pray for you. And when we stand, if you want life in Christ tonight, you come here to the, the front, and, and we'll connect you with someone who can help you with that. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you so much for the opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you for um, your word and the power it has to change us. And God, we pray tonight that we wouldn't just hear, we wouldn't just listen, but God, we would respond to you. God, we want life in you. And so God, all over this room, the hands that were raised, I pray that you would help those students to be bold. And that you would, as you're drawing them to yourself, that they would respond. So God, have your way in us tonight. Have your way in our midst. We trust this time of response to you, the invitation to have life in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. 